Well, hello, and welcome back to another Political Shadings podcast, the intersection of your window into the green economy. I am your host, John Lawyer. And I am Andrew Goldberg. And we're here today to talk about all things green, energy efficiency, policy, politics. Common sense, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Eh. And so we can't thank you enough for joining us today. And so right away, we're going to get business out of the way. We like to thank Joshua Espinoza, fabulous jazz and studio musician who uh, composed and recorded the music that great, you all hear. Music. That is actually, frankly, much better to listen to than either of us. Uh, we'd like to thank Big Wig Media here at the beautiful downtown Willard office complex in Washington, D.C., part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And we'd like to thank, as usual, our corporate sponsor, uh, Somfy North America. We uh, would like to toss it to the newest member of our podcast team, Jackie Hankard. Jackie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Somfy and what they do? Thanks, John. Want to learn more about Somfy? Visit somfypro.com forward slash Zigbee to learn more about Somfy's newest ecosystem of smart home products. That's somfypro.com forward slash Z-I-G-B-E-E. Or you can visit us on Instagram at Samfi US. Back to you, John. Well, thanks, Jackie. Always appreciate you having here and uh, appreciate your time. So, welcome to the Political Shadings Holiday Extravaganza. This is going to be something amazing. It's going to be the best holiday extravaganza we've ever had. I think you're going to cut it off at the word something. It's going to be, be something. something. Exactly, right. exactly. It's, and so, yeah. to that end, we have with us live via satellite. In studio, <laughs> <laughs> our dear friend and comedian JL Coven. Thank you, JL. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be here. So uh, thank you for having me. What a a real coal in the stocking if this is your holiday <laughs> extravaganza having me. <laughs> it's extravaganza palooza. That's it's, it's, uh, it's like the ninth night of Hanukkah. That's it's, right. It's it's, the, uh, it's, it's the nine. After, it's the aftermath. It's late afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my that's my horror movie, Hanukkah: The Aftermath. <laughs> I so, walk in telling jokes. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and so JL is widely known uh, as a comedian. Uh, recently, coming off a, a, a multi-episode stint on the, the television show Billions, uh, he has a very wide social media following. He has his own very excellent as compared to ours podcasts, making podcasts great again. And your latest one, uh, Raining on Your Parade, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, Rain on Your Parade. It's, uh, you know, my my solo podcast for about 10 years was the righteous uh, on prick. and off. Yeah. Yes, Righteous Prick was was on and off, hilarious and deeply depressing. And <laughs> it, Somewhat know, defining it, our lives as yeah, well. Perfect yeah. for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You never knew which one you were going to get when you clicked play, whereas <laughs> Rain on Your Parade is a much more slickly produced uh, contained. It's. I feel sort of like it's some of my best work because it's with a producer acting almost as coach as the sidekick like he's harnessing right. yeah he's harnessing the best out of me without letting me uh, meander into 45 minutes on why comedy is the worst thing in the world <laughs> that's, that's what, i think we need that this actually. podcast goes with your prescription for zoloft yeah. thank you very much yeah <laughs> yeah well so, and i just one one brief correction sorry please. i i was in only one episode of billions multiple scenes but just one episode okay um i just wanted it to be multiple episodes i think we all I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this this uh, is a, a constant level of of what you know Soros in our parlance of, of stress in jail's life it's like how to self-promote how to self-manage how to like it's it, it, I I was first half of my adult life um, a musician and so I completely sympathize with what you're saying it's like a constant battle of how to get to the next, right? Yeah. Um, and and listener, you may be asking yourself, well, what does this have to do with politics? Um, and we're absolutely nothing. So what we've done is, because I have a relationship with JL, I begged and begged and begged, and he condescended to acquiesce to be on the show today. We, Worst career move ever. <laughs> ever. Like yeah. our, what used to be tens and tens of listeners yeah. is now hundreds and hundreds. And yes. maybe someday thousands of them. Or back down to tens. Or, it yeah, depends, half, well, go, whatever. Yeah. But we wanted to bring in JL, uh, by the way, who is not just a comedian. He is a great graduate of the Georgetown University System, Playa Sackler. 
Um, I finished, I did finish, not to brag, but I did finish top 100% in my class at uh, Georgetown Law. Look at you. Okay. Yeah. Ranked. Ranked. Number number 100%. Yes. (laughs) So we, we asked JL to come in because we wanted to sort of lighten things up for the holidays and talk about, you know, a little bit related to our world, and that is the world of political satire and political humor. And and so who who better, someone who's ex, who's become absolutely famous on social media, on 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 late night shows, late late show with Craig Ferguson, etc., who Gary Trudeau himself has said that his impersonation of Donald Trump is perhaps the best impersonation of anybody out there. Mr. Doonesbury himself. That's right. So we thought we'd bring in JL and focus on sort of the lighter side of politics, the lighter side of political humor, and the lighter side of satire, and why it's necessary. And so here we are, uh, and I'll toss it to Andrew. We've we, we prepared some questions for our guest, who, by the way, is the first guest that we've had for the whole show. Yes. Like, it's not just an interview portion. You are it, my man. And, and no monologue. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It speaks. It speaks volumes of my um, my career that I can. When somebody says, "Do you want to do half a show or a full show?" I go, "Can I do two full shows?" <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. I'm, not, I, I'm bored today. I'm completely what are you guys free. doing? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm completely free. So it's kind of like hours. us. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Pretty so, much. So so fire away. Yeah. So big deep questions here. You know, I would think <laughs> big or something. Uh, you know, uh, I guess you know you're you've done so much great work on, on satire, satirizing. Uh, you know Donald Trump and, and 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 Mitch McConnell and others and I mean, how do you how do you make satire out of something that well let's face it already is a satire I mean, I mean right now reality is more ridiculous than uh, you know than than comedy at this point how do you actually make fun of things that are so insane? Sure, um, I think with with Trump specifically, um, my my advantage comes from having not been sort of quote unquote discovered for the impression until I was sort of halfway through my podcast because making right. podcasts great again was is a weekly sort of alternate universe like like a Trump if you can imagine you know off the record right so to right, speak right. like like here's you hear him Unplugged. on the record and it's like yeah. yeah this is R-rated Trump but mine <laughs> is more the uh you know it's all bullhorn all the time. There's not even a hint of a dog whistle on right. the show. As if, and you, I think, as if you were at a political rally 24 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's one of those things where I think being able to do that for a couple of years while frustrated that our listener base wasn't particularly large, I really honed my, my improv skills, but with, within, you know, you know, as Trump, not my improv skills as me, but, Right. As Trump, the impression just kept getting better and better. If you listen to early episodes, it was it was not nearly as strong as it is now. Right. And, you know, basically, I think also having a background, you know, for years as a stand-up comic, you know, a lot of impersonators tend to be sort of regurgitators of what's already happening. You know, sometimes you see political sketches on SNL will be 95% what happened. Right. Right. Looking Already. in the rear of your mirror. Exactly. Right. And for me, it was about creating, you know, even if you have to go to some extremes, and I got in trouble sometimes with people where it's like, that was a racist statement. And I go, well, I'm parodying an already like avowed racist, basically. Right. So there are going to be places that, you know, I'm not afraid to go to. And I don't mean to say afraid, like I'm some sort of free speech warrior. <laughs> but I think my combination of experience and skills and being able to have this show under the radar for a few years really helped me find a space that Yes, this is still an extreme and funny version of Trump and little things that I sort of patented myself, you know, asides to Mike Pence, making Mike Pence as a closeted gay man, a sort of running gag, Genius. Um, you know, predating any kind of suspicions or outright suggestions in the mass media, things like that. You know, we sort of created our own hyper Trump world. So that that still allowed me to make make a parody that. That, you know, while sometimes predictive of what the man would do, could still find extremes that weren't totally off-putting to the rest of the world. Yeah, no, yeah it's true. I mean, I think about like the best impressions, whether it's SNL or others, you know, think about Dana Carvey as George H.W. Bush or Kate McKinnon uh, as Clinton. And, and what you do, it's not just copying the person, but it's creating this whole new character that is so right. true to the person, but it's its own its own 
individual in a and sense. it is and it yeah. is comedy it is satire it, it's not reality right yeah. so it, it it needs to be bigger and other right which is hard with some people like say trump who I mean, I'm sure there are times that you've done things in your routine as him, and then like the next day he's probably tweeted out or truthed out something that was probably very similar. Uh, yeah, no, there's definitely been there's definitely been several times that that's happened, which I usually just resentfully use to shame people to listen to my podcast. I go, <laughs> exactly. well, if you were here, if you were here, you would have known. That's very <laughs> addictive. It's like if, AI. Exactly. So I, I, you know, it, it, we're talking about a very old concept. You know, political satire goes back decades, centuries, right? So uh, let's flash forward a little bit and take it from like, you know, Rich Little on who did impersonations of the 70s very famously of of President Nixon with a somewhat perhaps kid glove approach. Almost, right? Um, Because we become so divided and so divisive and, and, and so, you know, the rage machine is, is, you know, it's actually a machine. Could somebody like that be successful today? Could they even get heard in 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 any media pick of, of your choice, right, social or otherwise? I I think they could because I have seen like I remember a couple of years ago I turned down a very uh, a lucrative gig to do uh, to play Trump at an Idaho like very ritzy Idaho fundraiser, and they said the and you'd be doing Trump. We'd fly you out here, put you up, blah, blah, blah. It's a, and, and the keynote speaker would be Candace Owens. And I said, Ooh, pass. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, because in my mind, I thought this is a place that wants a they're going to want very friendly mockery of Trump, like right. kind of oh, like a rich. They will want a rich little kind of companion. Like tongue like, in cheek not, level. Yeah. Or, and not yeah, to denigrate rich little. You know, yeah. Right. Right. You know, not to denigrate him, but it, but that's what they, they're looking for humor. They want to show that, you know, they're not like the left. They laugh, too. Um, but when they said Candace Owens and Idaho, I thought that's a combination. I, you know, I is this and people made jokes. It was like, is this going to be a reverse get out? I'm biracial for people <laughs> who, are, who, are, who are listening. Is this going to be like they're actually setting me up to take me out when I get to yeah. Idaho? Right. Um and then somebody scooped it up like a week later and right. I knew the person to be a sort of right leaning um, uh, impersonator who was really more of a, uh, you know, commerce above uh, maybe principles to a certain extent. But right. if those are if those are his people, then he's really not choosing commerce over principles. It's like, hey, I'm a, I'm more of a center or right right leaning guy. That's OK for me. Yeah. Um, so and I'm rambling a little, but I think there is the the benefit of the split is that there is always uh, going to be, there always will be room, um, maybe not universally, but there will be niche markets that will pay a lot. Yeah. You know, a gentle yeah. impersonation of Joe Biden could find a home in the left. Uh, a right. mean Joe Biden could easily obviously find room in the right and vice versa. If right. you do Trump, because, you know, hey, yeah, he is still a blustery, fun character, even to the people on the right, you can, you can, you can find, it's just, our universally shared opinions, facts, knowledge are, are that's what's broken down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, you, you, like you said, you, you set up a, a, a character and a, and almost a universe for that person right. to exist in. Right. And so I'm thinking like, you know, flash forward again, a couple decades from Rich Little, somebody like Stephen Colbert, who basically made himself, Yes. Right. The 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 focal point of the, he is the character, right? In in reaction to John Stewart's persona on on The Daily Show, he became his own sort of parody, perhaps of of, of Bill O'Reilly. Right. But but yes. he was Stephen Colbert as Stephen Colbert, just in the opposite direction to to sort of spin up right the but with real way. guests and and you know it'd be playing the part but almost in a very real way right yeah exactly and so and right line... wing right wing people went on the show yeah you know? all the time so it wasn't right. it wasn't yet at a sort of like no i'm not going there and there are still right wing people who will go they pretend to be totally anti but but a lot of the right wing personalities are are still 
social media metrics and buzz and clout are still more important than principle. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we feel about our show also. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it's, us it's to a T. Yeah, no. yeah, and so we're talking, you know, we're really talking about blurring the the line between reality and, and satire, right? Like it's right. everybody gets the conceit at that point, correct? Or, or that's the hope anyway. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Like, like when it comes to, I mean, Colbert to me is obviously that's, I don't, I like him as a late night host, but I don't, you know, his, his peak and it's no shame to anything else he's done, but the, but the Colbert rapport was just a Gen absolute I mean, genius. Absolute yeah. Genius. Just complete, total, amazing genius. And um, with, with, with making podcasts great again, sometimes I feel like I'm not only, I'm not parodying as much as I am, well, I can at least reveal things that might actually be true, but that will never right. come to the light of day. <laughs> right. He hates his kids. Right. He doesn't right. acknowledge some of his kids. He's had Russian hookers murdered. Like things like that <laughs> that are obviously not nice, but that you go, aren't those really more like possibilities that right. we'll never learn than they are parody? So I right. think maybe that's where I've gone in terms of the universe I've right. quote unquote created around Trump. <laughs> I mean, it's it again. We're talking about comedy, right? Like it, it. Right. We, we we've we've forgotten. I, I think we uh, in, intentionally, maybe. Yeah. Just just to create even a larger rage machine than than usually exists. We've forgotten that 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 comedy helps us absorb what's actually happening in real life, right? And so that rage machine continues to become bigger and bigger, and it becomes a parody of itself because it's enraged about something that's fake. Right. That's so, very deep, John, by the way. Well, so. thank you. I, quite, quite I thought awful. for minutes and minutes. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> We've entered the parody matrix. So. Yes, exactly. pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Been... exactly. Uh, so I, I, I guess, you know, talk to us about, uh, you know, Trump's disregard uh, for things like, you know, societal norms, like, you know, what we assume to be uh, an understood rule of law. You, you graduated from Georgetown Law School. And, and so, for example, should Trump... Barely. Win? I'm well, sorry, I'm required by the school to say barely. Hey, look, every man, time D, D is for diploma. Is, is there right. asterisks <laughs> on there? Kind of a, that's, uh, that's right. That's right. It's, it's it, a reverse Barry Bonds. He, <laughs> he did so poorly. Yeah. Magna cum asterisk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so should, should former President Trump win in 2024? How, how do, I mean, you're obviously, you know, you have your political point of view, but what, what does that due to the impact of, of comedy and satire like how how does that how does that affect i that? the problem for me well on a personal level i when he lost in 2020 i was allegedly yes sorry yes when allegedly, he allegedly yes. lost yeah has not been I, they haven't found those votes right. yet in georgia they're still That's looking right. exactly they may find them i I wasn't worried that much because I had some things on the horizon. I had a special, uh, ha ha ha, which is coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. But I had a special in the can. I had, um, I had billions on the horizon. Right. Like there were things right. that happened in 2021 where I said, okay, good. This is exactly what I needed. Some big projects, non-Trump related to pivot from this growth that I had due to like my political impersonations, but there's more to my comedy portfolio. And these were sort of great opportunities to, to branch out, like right. to, to the things that I already could do. The, but the art maybe toward bring... the career, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, let Trump impersonation be the hit movie that then allows me to continue doing other things and bringing those fans along. But the problem is Trump, I, they're culturally, there is no difference, in my opinion, than Trump as president and Trump as ex-president. Like right. there's the differences person. in our yeah. government, but we are living um, in a Trump world. And I'm just a Trump girl, if right. I can paraphrase <laughs> Madonna. But it, we are he is the defining figure. And maybe if we could all acknowledge this, he'd yeah. go away. If we could all be like, hey, even the people who don't like you are now willing to admit you're the defining figure of the culture right now, yeah, good right. or bad. That's right. Because it doesn't matter what your politics are. Yeah. This is, this is, we talk about him a lot more than Biden, who is right. the actual president. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. And it's just, I, I feel like I wanted to be done with Trump. Yeah. Like I, I keep making, on. 
I keep making a little bit of, of money from it, 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 you know, and, and whenever I post a video as Trump, it's, it does better than as something else, even if something else is a better video, right? right. Algorithm. I've been locked in sort of to a Trump GOP algorithm, <laughs> but it's, I, 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 I am done with Trump in 2024. Like I really was going to be done with it in 2021. Right. And yet he has remained such a dominant part of the culture and if he were to win again right because i said in 2020 on my show i said i can do trump for another year if he loses because then i can just kick dirt on him while he's down right. and mock <laughs> right. him as an ex-president what, what you do with every I, you know candidate that right. lost. Yeah. Yeah, that's right but i didn't realize what a stranglehold he would have still uh, not just on, on his own party but our society just our on america yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the world now, the world. and now you see Europe terrified that he gets reelected. And I just wish I could say to Trump supporters, like, hey, you ever have that feeling uh, that the whole world hates you? Right. Does, it, did, does it ever make you think maybe it's me? Right. <laughs> and Trump sort of has the emboldened. calls coming from inside the house. Right. Yes. Yeah. Trump has, has emboldened the dregs of our society morally uh, to, to feel like, no, we ma- we're right and we matter more. Um, well, it's given them permission to be their worst selves in many respects. Yes. I mean, you, know, yeah. and I mean, you so look, you look you... at the, the, the current political situation in Argentina is they elected uh, someone with not just zero political background, right. but somebody who's, you know, basically takes advice from his dogs right. about, about He's what... He's proud of the fact that he has no... Yeah. And, well, and in the Netherlands, they have somebody who's far right. Very you know, far right. It's, it's and and so I, I, I hearken back to that, you know, what's the, the Norm MacDonald joke? It's like when... When Germany wanted to to start a war, they basically were at war with the world, right? Yeah. And so it sets us completely. Right. The perception is, you know, to your point about Europe, it sets us completely apart from the rest of the world because right. his policies are inside the U.S. and, and insular to what we well, do. America a, first, yeah. America that's first. a source of, of pride. That's not a bug. It's a feature of of what he does. And it's, it's it's a key feature. Yeah. And so we we we. This is truly sort of the the defining difference yeah. between right and left at this point. Can, can we say that? Sure, you can yeah. say it wherever you want. It's, it's, I, still, I it's still a free country. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, to that point, you know, one other thing, if you know, I mean, and I was, if, I was just gonna. Oh, oh sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna since I didn't actually, I, I felt like I didn't actually answer the question completely. I was yeah, like, yeah, we oh, noticed that. Is, now, but, yeah. Basically, tw- <laughs> what do you think the impact? Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. I'm. The joke is over to me. Yeah, right. It's already over, kind of. But 2024, because fool me once, you know, shame, shame on, on shame you, on you. you. Yeah. Fool, me fool me twice, twice shame, on, shame me. on me. And it, right, and it's like, but this is much more existential. It's like, oh, America has said, steal, try to steal democracy once, shame on you. But uh, how about we just hand it to you the second time? Right. And that, to me, is just. This doesn't mean I'm going to become some freedom fighter because I don't. I think we will have just sort of a sad, slow march towards whatever we comes after our democracy. But it's like making fun of it anymore. I'll just be like, I'm already tired of it. Right. And if he, if if America actually puts him back in, it's like, oh, okay. Um, it isn't funny. It, right. It's like right. it's it's it's. And some people could justifiably say it's not funny already. Right. I barely think it's funny. <laughs> but if we put him back in, it's just like, oh, you know, like 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 comedy is, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you go, oh, OK, but the, the joke is gone now because it isn't. A, it's it's the it's like going to a comedy club and, you know, the audience isn't there for comedy. Right. Like that's what it'll feel like in America when it comes to Trump. It's like, oh, OK, no, we we don't think this is. Uh, bad or or scary or anything. We think this is right, and there's nothing really funny about that anymore. Right. The <laughs> if people we, have as spoken. a country put him right. back into power. Yeah. Right. So to that end, uh, you know, Trump was not when he was president a big fan of the First Amendment or the Constitution or anything. Even I think at one point he tried to or he threatened to sick the FCC on Saturday Night Live because they were you know making fun of him. Uh, I mean, do you have any concerns? As somebody who, who works, who kind of relies upon the First Amendment for the right to say things that some people might find offensive at times. I mean, do you worry about that sort of chilling effect when you have somebody in the White House, if that happens, who is really hostile to you know the freedom of, of speech? Is that a concern? 
Well, I also, I'm a big fan on the road of the third amendment also, because I force people to, to let me stay in their homes when I'm yeah, uh, performing on the road. Like a, like a militia yeah. in and of yourself. Exactly. And <laughs> what I would say is my one fear is if America actually puts him back in, that would be the one time my impression would like rise to the top again. Like he'd, he'd forget about the guy on SNL. He'd forget right. about Alec Baldwin. And he'd be like, I saw this guy, JL. I'm not a fan. And now, <laughs> I, want him, I want an example made out of him. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. You don't have to make me number one. I've been trying to be number one for half a decade. Right, right. right. Anonymity now. suits me right now, sir. <laughs> See, I even called you sir. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, kind of along those, those lines, I mean, there's been an increase in, you know, recent years on what some call cancel culture. You know, public figures say something that somebody finds offensive and they get blasted on social media and they face boycotts. I mean, as a comedian, I mean, obviously, you said that requires a certain amount of pushing uh, boundaries. I mean, do you ever kind of worry about that, uh, you know, being, being canceled, so to speak? Yeah, I don't, I don't really. There have been a few times where I've, I've pre this whole movement that I, uh, that I had some things that, that gave me pause, but like, you know, I trust my own moral compass and my own skill set to sort of navigate like what I think is right and not to prove a point. I'm not really into proving points with like how far I go. I just have my own boundaries that I think are uh, fairly normal for society and certainly within the bounds of, of good comedy. But I do remember in 2020, I decided to make a joke about uh, Hunter Biden and all I said, I wrote, do you think Hunter Biden, because Joe Biden, President Biden now was always mentioning, you know, as he still does, Bo Biden. It's clear that Bo right. Biden was his sort of favorite and, right. and not, you know, didn't love his kids differently. But like, right. you, you got to be an idiot not to know that Bo Biden was kind of his like, that's right. that's my Golden heir apparent. One, yeah. one's, one's a drug addict and, and charged with right. tax evasion and the other's a war hero. Yeah. Right. So, right. So I just said, because Hunter Biden was never referenced in political speeches, I just said, you ever think Hunter Biden just goes, I get it, Dad, I'm not your favorite son. <laughs> and You don't have to pretty, keep saying it, Dad. Right. That's a pretty tame joke. Yeah. yeah. The amount of instant, this is before I was sort of shadow banned on Twitter, the amount of instant blowback I got from a lot of the progressives who come to like, they enjoyed my Jeff Epstein molestation on an island jokes, but they couldn't stand for this one. And that's when I said, to a certain extent, you have to ignore the the bulk of people who want to cancel you if they ever want. You know, the person was, many people were like, this is disgusting, unfollowed, I'm so disappointed. And I go, you're, you know, the internet to me has opened up comedy in many good ways financially, but comedy was more of a niche art for the most part. If you went to a stand-up comedy club, you you knew what to expect for the right. most part at a comedy club. Now everybody loves to say I'm a comedy fan because they like a 30-second video on Twitter or, or Instagram. Two entirely different things, exactly. Right, yeah. and it, it, it doesn't have to be, but it often is. And, you know, liking humorous distractions <laughs> and being a comedy fan, uh, to me, are two different things. And I right. try not to worry about what the distraction people will think that said you know like i remember deleting that tweet just because i didn't want the hassle not because i thought i'd written anything uh uh you know and that's its own problem but there is a video series and it's it's the basis of the title of my forthcoming special it's already out in album form but half blackface right which is about um the only time i've sort of deleted and i didn't delete it but i went from listing my videos as public to private when I sort of had my moment in 2020 where I, where I really got a huge fan base from the impressions, I had done a series of videos impersonating a bunch of comedians, and I made a video series called Comedy Academy, and Louis C.K. was the headmaster, and I impersonated my friend Gary Goleman, um, uh, Dane Cook, uh, George Lopez, um, et cetera, and, but one of the, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, and one of the impersonations was J.B. Smooth. Now, I know what I look like, but I am half black. My right, father was right. a bald, bespectacled black man, much like a J.B. Smoove. Yeah. And I decided to do an impression. And because I was doing makeup, hair for everybody, I was like, this will seem so strange if I do this as me. 
and right. just the voice. It's not a radio show. So I sort of said, okay, well, I'm half black. Let me lean on that a little bit <laughs> morally and ethically. <laughs> and also, you know, somebody like a Sammy Davis Jr., who, excuse me, a Billy Crystal, who did right. a Sammy Davis Jr. impression on SNL. And In I, full I talk, yeah. Right. I talk about it on the on the album where I go, I didn't have a problem with that. Now, most people may look at me and go, well, who cares if you have a problem with it? What about a fully presenting black person? Let's get their opinion. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Not as an edgy thing, not as a look what I'm getting away with, but I'm like, I have a good impression of this person. Right. I'm not casting a show where I'm casting a white guy to play this role when it could have been. It's me. It's my YouTube. It's it couldn't be coming from a less racist place, if you want to say. Right, right, right. Half black comedian with good impression doing a series of impressions. But I did hide those videos because what I didn't want was somebody to do the search of like, you know, internet comedian of the month. Right. And then go, wait, is this you? Disgraceful. And then I, because then I'm explaining and defending instead of coming from a position of here's why I did this. Now I'm the guy running, going, no, 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 wait, 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 you don't get it. So if, if I were to say there was one time I feared cancel, being canceled, it was that. Because reacting to that, no matter how much I thought I was right or whatever, and the special allows me to give a very full explanation to kind of own the narrative. And it's weird to even talk. I'm talking like a political consultant right, instead yeah. of a comedian. Right. But it was literally, I knew what the reaction to that could be from people who don't know me, don't know my background. I mean, a month after my, you know, two months after my impressions blew up, I had people telling me I was a white guy stealing from Sarah Cooper, who was lip syncing, got right. very literally famous off of lip syncing exactly. videos. And I'm going, okay, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm a half white guy. <laughs> if, <laughs> does that make me better? Right. And I'm not, steal, but it was like, I could see the, the, the desire for so many of the people following me or in the same space, the, the progressive space, who were, who were almost out game hunting right. for someone they could cancel. And so uh, calling me a, 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 you know, a, a white thieving, art thieving, you know, enemy of the black woman probably made people feel good, even though they were completely wrong. And I said, well, wait until they see the J.B. Smooth Sebastian Maniscalco <laughs> yeah. video I did. They'll, they'll be beating off in the streets to yeah. this one. <laughs> so uh, I had to, I, I did, that is the one example. It was a little long-winded, but I hope it was worth it. That was the one example I can think of where I said, I feared that because I was just getting some success. And it was not that I was hiding it or deleting it out of like, oh, I'm ashamed of what I did. Right, right. But it was like, I have a revenue stream right now that I don't, I don't want don't to be jeopardize. distracted or yeah. slowed down from misinterpretations. And there will be people who would say to me, no, I'm still not okay with that. That's fine. But right. I get to get my explanation for my work first rather than people making, um, you know, heroic attempts to destroy a you know the guy they think is some italian bigot now instead of a biracial genius <laughs> right well yeah and it's, it's like people you know a lot of people who get canceled you know it's, it's it's an economic issue also i mean it's one thing if somebody makes a mistake you know I'm not saying you did but if somebody makes a mistake fine but when you're trying to you know cost them their job or cost them their livelihood it, it, it that, that becomes a much more pernicious you know kind of thing well, um, right and, and the whole point of me doing you know the the of of doing the special not the whole point, but it was like that was a pivotal thing because it was more about, as, as hopefully people will see, it wasn't, and they can hear on the album, it wasn't really about me saying, I can do this, end of story. It was more about, like, I feel like a literal gray line in the kind of, you know, both both racially and ethically. Am I, I'm in the middle, and it's like, well when would I be allowed to do a J.B. Smooth impression? Like, right. in At other words, yeah. would it, if I were a light-skinned person with two black parents, would I, and, and maybe some people say yes. Some people might say, no, it's fine. And then there's other people who I disagree with who I would. There's the Billy Crystal example where I'd say, if a white guy, this is just my opinion, but if a white guy has the best impression of somebody and is on a sketch show, this idea that that is blackface versus that is a person in heavy makeup 
you know, the connotation of blackface as a catch-all for, I think, talent, I think motivation, I think have to be factors when you're dealing with a comedy sketch show and not somebody smearing shoe polish for a Halloween right. costume. But, but for some people, that is a distinction without a difference. They have a, a, a bright line, and I'm not telling them not to have it, but I feel like the special itself on this question is more of a who gets to decide who gets canceled? Is there a nuance in terms of that discussion? And I try to present myself as a unique example of like a literal and figurative middle ground of like, is it as bright as you think it should be? You know, I don't know. So that's an example. That's my one example, I think, where I sort of feared, quote unquote, being canceled, not because I, I still stand by the, the work. Right. I just I didn't feel like being misinterpreted and attacked um, and having to speak from a defensive posture right. rather than a here. Here's my work. And with an explanation, if right. you still don't like it, I, you, you're welcome to that opinion. Go but listen I, to another comedian. Right. Yeah. Right. So what. And it kind of begs the question then, what what are the elements then of something like a good impersonation and and what makes a good impersonation? What makes a bad impersonation? Like, like is it, it, outside of the rage machine, outside of the cancel culture, outside of that line that, that you very eloquently defined, what makes for a good bit like that and, and when does it become bad? Like th there's recently been outrage that SNL did a, a, a cold opening this weekend on the, the testimony of the, the three Ivy League professors uh, about the, how they reacted to the, the, yeah. the genocide of calling for the genocide of Jews. And they chose to take the tone of um, making fun of the questioner, Elise Stefanik, yeah. you know, member of Congress, as opposed to focusing on the ridiculousness of, of the three panel members who couldn't say that calling for the genocide of Jews was bad because it was in, well, in what context? So what makes for a good impression? Is it, is it the choice of tone? Is it the choice of focus? Like, how, how do you define that? Um, I think unless, unless you're doing like a Will Ferrell, George Bush, Right. I think it's important to have, like, obviously some, some good accuracy, just physical and audible accuracy. So it's close enough that it's plausible. Right. Yeah. And then I think then in a world where you have plenty of people on TikTok doing voices, you know, the, the place I like to separate myself, I think, from a lot, even better, better impersonators than me, is that in the impressions game, in the impersonation game, I have yet to see somebody that can t come close to me as a stand-up comic. Right. As a right. sort of, you know, so if I do, so I are, try to only... two different skill sets, really, right? right? Right, but I feel like too often impersonators are very quick to sort of hacky material and hacky presentation. And it's the reason I stopped doing impressions in my stand-up act, because about four or five years into my act, I said, it takes too much to just go... Hey, imagine if uh, person A were in a funny place and they would sound like this. I, it felt so inauthentic to the to the art of stand-up that I thought yeah, right. YouTube is the place to kind of do impressions. You can do them in sketches. The, the premise is already baked in. There's no setup needed. But I think, for me, there are impressions I do that I think are A's. A lot of them are an A on the technical aspects, and then I bring better material to them and even the ones that may be a minus b plus like a don jr people really like yeah i don't think it's my best vocally i think it's decent but i created once again this sort of hyper coked up really emotionally fragile character that's more in keeping with like a, a will ferrell george w bush where it was like kind of accurate but really just more funny as a creation almost surreal yeah. right yeah it's, it's like and creating that, a so, character yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time I try to do, I want to do, if I'm way off, I just won't do it. Like, I, I definitely don't want to just be like, hey, guys, I do this. And it's like, yes, I'm better at impersonating person X than your mother, but I'm not actually very good at it. I try to have them be, be good. And, and the ones that are, you know, I, I think just being able to add, you know, my skill set to the vocal ability is, is maybe what would set me apart from, from some others. Well, okay. So then, you know, we'll 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 ask your opinion. 
yeah, as as the comedic professional in the room, who's killing it from a comedic point of view in that world of political impressions other than you? Besides you, of course. Yeah, and I'm barely, I'm really at this point, like involuntarily manslaughtering it. I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> not negligent homicide. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the game, uh, feloniously assaulting yeah. uh, the game. <laughs> but I think um, the guy on SNL, who I remember when his first video, James Austin Johnson, James Austin when, his Johnson first, yeah. when his first video went up as Trump, I didn't hear it. You know, and I think sometimes people who find their favorite impersonator, you almost get imprinted by their interpretation of it. Yes, and, you, and so everybody first, else is not as, right. or, yeah. Like when people would say to me, oh, you're just as good as Alec Baldwin, in my head I'm going, I'm way better at Trump than Alec Baldwin, right. just right. on a vocal skill level. And, but, but yet that's what they heard, and they, he was kind of their, maybe their first exposure yeah, to a Trump impersonation. So, so that was the standard for them. Whereas James Austin Johnson, when I first heard his, I didn't, I didn't really hear it. I was like, I don't, I don't know. People are saying this is really good. By the time he got on the show, I thought it was very good. And, and the difference between the two of us, just as an example, yeah. he, leans in, he leans into the sort of yeah. rallying, and I'm growling. I'm doing the growling Trump, and I'm yeah. sort of back in. Anybody gets the show? Whereas mine is kind of 60 minutes interview Trump, yeah. you know, <laughs> where it's sort of like, no, no, excuse me. Scott Pelley. Hey, look at Scott Pelley. Works out a lot. No, excuse me. Yeah. What we're talking about. No, no, no. You shut up. We're to- no. It's very simple. It's very simple. I have strong strength. You don't. And, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's you know, I feel like he emphasizes a different, a different aspect of Trump. And I think that's what a lot of Trump, the good ones, lean into like one feature and kind of build around that. Um, and, but I think he's, he's done a very good job with Trump when, when, they've, when they've had him on. Um, I feel like I was the first to sort of do the random super free associations yeah. that like, he kind of does. Like out of left but field. I, yeah. Yeah. Right. But I've been doing those, whether or not he was doing them off camera, I know I've been doing them since, you know, 2019. Right, right. But uh, another person who has a really big YouTube following, I don't know him personally, but his name's Kyle Dunnigan. And he has a very, he has a big YouTube following. And he's a legit, like he's a real, real deal comic in New York. Right. But he, does, if you look him up, he is really good. And like, for instance, every impersonator has maybe their one or two like ace in the holes. His yeah. Bill Maher is astounding. Really? His Bill Maher impression is astounding. And he does a very funny Joe Biden. Like he does kind of the face swap stuff in his yeah. sketches. So he right. really makes these kind of elaborate sketches. But his Biden is very funny. Like, and once again, funny first. I don't know the right. guy's politics. Right. Doesn't matter. Really. He might be, right. he might be to the right of me, yeah. but all I know is what he's doing is objectively funny yeah. with, yeah. with, with his Biden. And he does a Ben Shapiro. Like he has a whole cast of characters that I think is obviously helped by the face swap in terms of like, right. you know, evoking the person more, but, but his Bill Maher, his Ben Shapiro and, and his Biden are really good. And, and like I said, this is not charity. He has, you know, probably five to seven times the size subscribers on YouTube than I do, if not more. So he's got a very big following, right. uh, but he's really good. So I'd say, I'd say those two are people who's, you know, um, I remember my friends were scared to tell me they liked James Austin Johnson. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and I, I gave them permission. I gave them permission. I was like, no, it was good. And they're like, yeah, it is good. And I was like, then why'd you tell me he sucked in a half hour ago? <laughs> I literally had that conversation yeah. where I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm a bitter, fragile man, but I, I am, when it comes to comedy, I, I think I am as objective as, as can be yeah. um, in, in terms of being able to admit when something frustrates me or when I don't like somebody, but that their humor is good or their skill set is good. Right. Uh, but those would be the two in the political kind of comedy space that, I, that I'm... I'm a fan of. I, I have a, a question, you know, dear listener, realize that sometimes we prepare our guests with a series of questions, and it just occurred to me a question that you know, I'd like your perspective on that we didn't send to you, if you don't mind. Um, Whoa. But, yeah, I know. Hold on. My gotcha. said I had to approve all right, questions. That's right. He, he's, his agent got involved. It was a whole got thing. Got the white M&Ms. In exactly. The room. His writers. Yeah. Right. But... Why are there so many um, 
right-leaning impersonations is because the, the, there's just a huge amount of material and not a lot of impressions of people like Joe Biden or... or uh, I mean, Obama even was right, kind of hard right, to... It right. seems like there's very so, few that so really got So why does, why do, is, is it, is it from a perspective, is it easier to do? Is it the amount of material? Like what's, what is the difference between the two? Why is there so many more Trump impersonators than, than Biden impersonators? I think, and I'm, I, the truth is, I remember I saw um, Dana Carvey do a Joe Biden on maybe Colbert, Colbert maybe Howard yeah, Stern. Okay, yeah. Um, but I saw, and I thought, this would be the time. There was a time where SNL just kept having guests on every week. It would be like, do you even have a cast? Why are there five celebrities right. on this week? <laughs> right, right. Former cast yeah. members. I, I, right. Yeah. And I thought, well, wouldn't Dana Carvey be perfect right now? Right. If you were going to do that, the way you had Maya Rudolph on doing a very, very solid Kamala Harris. Absolutely. Why not bring... And, and my girlfriend, I think, secretly likes my Kamala Harris impression the most, which I haven't really <laughs> unveiled. But oh. it's, it's just... Kind of a, hi, Joe, what's going on? That's amazing. I'm just That's... sitting here. We're trying to help people on the border. It's kind of a little yeah. whiny yeah. sort of it's, thing. It's, like, but... it's like she's standing way too far away from the microphone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, you know, is that an age thing? Like, why not bring Dana Carvey, kind of an esteemed alum of right. SNL, to do a very a, soft, a little closer in age to somebody like uh, President Biden? Yeah, right. And I, but I think, I think maybe there is a little bit of bias. I, I, I don't know if you can deny, like, not a bias of like we can't make fun of the left, but more of a we're not inclined to. We're not right. thinking of mocking the left. Because I remember somebody said, why don't you do a Biden impression? And I was like, what makes you think I wouldn't be doing a daily Biden video if I had a Biden as good as my Trump? Right, like, right, that's right. you projecting your hypocrisy onto me. Right. Yeah. I am, I think Biden is fully ripe for humor, which is why I mentioned that guy Kyle Dunnigan, who does right, a very right. funny Absolutely. series of videos. That, that's what why the question occurred to me. It's yeah. like, I hadn't heard of this. I haven't heard of Kyle. But... There, there seems to be just a proliferation of, and, on yeah. one side as opposed and, to and, and Trump. I mean, obviously he has certain mannerisms and such that lends itself where, you know, I think others don't. I mean, I think I'd buy it. I mean, honestly, I think one of the better impressions, which wasn't really that accurate, but it's kind of funny, was Jason Sudeikis on SNL. Right. One of the, the goofy buddy Scranton Joe, uh, yeah. you know, as compared to, say, Jim Carrey, who went way, way over the top and was basically impersonating Jim Carrey, impersonating Joe Biden. Right. This oh. is Fire Marshal Bill, as Joe Biden. As Joe Biden. Yeah, exactly. right. The, I think, so I think there is, it's more, this is a case of implicit bias. And maybe if we could explain implicit bias in comedy to conservatives, they might understand it in more important fields. Like out of, out of other contexts, right? Education, yeah, medicine. Yeah. <laughs> but it is kind, I think that would be the explanation where, like, I have tried, not because I feel I need to be balanced, but, like, I do a Cory Booker, I do the Phil Murphy, yeah. but... Of the mainstream ones, I did do an Obama for a while that was like ahead of its time and went completely unrecognized. But I had a solid Obama or like early into his administration. And, you know, SNL even only had Fred Armisen doing Obama for like a majority of his presidency, right. which was just like you couldn't find. And there are impersonators out there, but it feels like it might be a left-wing implicit bias of, like, we just see the humor in the other side more, yeah. not not consciously, but that we gravitate to it. Because it, you can look at my impersonations, and a majority of them are, are of political figures are right-wing. But then I kind of think, who are the big-time after Clinton? Like, Clinton was the last Trump, if you want to, in, just yeah. in terms of a left-wing caricature. Right. Like, there right. was a lot life. of Clinton. Yeah mockery yeah. so it's not like we've never but he was more of a character he had the right. sacks he ate the mcdonald's he was a womanizer so there's it's it's more like the left you know where is the left wing vivek ramaswamy do you right. know what i mean there it yeah, isn't there that's he is really an incredible point. character and the left i think there's a it's it's a twofold thing i think there can be left wing implicit bias just against your like thinking of the other side is funnier but at the same time the right wing promotes to high position, high profile levels, a cast of characters that are absurd. 
Right. Yeah. You know, AOC, you can complain about the squad, but they are staying mostly within the bounds of the political realm, even if you disagree with their opinions. Right. Whereas, like, there is no left, no matter how much hard they try, there's no left-wing Boebert. There's right. no left-wing Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's no left-wing Trump. Maybe that's, you could develop, a, like, a Chris Christie impersonation for that, right? right. Like, he's uh, from the great state and of New Jersey. He's tough. Like, I, 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 he is, he has a voice, and he sounds, like, kind of perpetually like, like he's just gulped down, like, the last bite of a hero. Well, but. Yeah. But I, I've often just thought, can I do that voice? And I, I can't, you know, sometimes it's just not it's in your... Incredibly there, diff- it's incredibly difficult. Like, I, I've, yeah. I've met Governor Christie I, I, several times. I've done a lot of work in New Jersey. Um, it, it, he, I've, I've watched him speak. It is incredibly difficult to reproduce anything that sounds like that man. It's, it's can a I give one-off. you what I would, how I would describe, like how I would ask if I were assigning, a, if I were teaching a class to aspiring impersonators, I'd say, take the way John Madden spoke. Right. Call yeah. a lot, like, but, but then lower it a lot. Uh, like, right. in other words, take the kind of, blah, 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 that kind of, blah, 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 right. but then lower it. Yeah. To like, not a baritone, but like, like a much more bass than a, than a John Madden who was a fairly high pitched voice. Right. right. But kind of that style of speaking, but with, much more, uh, much lower. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So it, we've talked a lot about your Trump impersonation. We've talked a lot about, you know, talk to us about, about like you said, you do Don Jr. Talk to us about Mitch McConnell. I, I feel like, I feel like other than that sort of guttural hole, it's, right. it seems like low hanging fruit, but, but you've, you've really sort of brought him into a, a different level you, you of capture the joy, <laughs> the, the joy McConnell. of Mitch McConnell, yeah, right? Like, like the joie de vie. Talk to us. About, how did that come? Like, obviously, it's it's ripe for caricature. It's ripe for impersonation. But but what what does that look like? How did that present itself? Yeah, it was. I don't remember the first time I did a McConnell, um, but it's. You know, it, it, it's all connected. It's like I lower the, you know, my, my, like everything works in conjunction. So, pressure, close your mouth. And the Kentucky drawl, right? Like it's, right. it's all. And so, everything about my esteemed colleague. <laughs> but he, 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 even gets, he even gets that little whistle that McConnell yeah, right. has, right? Like, like in the back of the throat. Right. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's an impression that is so. The physicalness of it is connected directly to the sounds that you make. So, you know, almost like, you know, you, you talk your face, you can't not talk a little deeper. If when your you face is shaped that way. Right, right. Yeah. And then you close your mouth, which is going to make the whistle and sort of, what are you saying there, sir? And then you just maybe take it down another notch, maybe slow it down because you want to speak to your constituents. So, I will not pass any Barack Obama judges right. <laughs> onto the Supreme Court. R.I.P. Merrick Garland. Oh wait, yeah. he's Attorney General. Yeah. All right. So, I, I, okay. So we we've 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 gone the gambit here. We've we've talked about the history of satire. We've talked about you know cancel culture. We've talked about your perspectives on you know who's doing good comedic level professional impersonations out there. Talk. You know, you mentioned you have a special coming out that is that is currently an album. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about what's coming up, some of your gigs, some other some other projects you're working on. Sure. Well, uh, mark your calendars, D.C. area folks, Uh-oh, June 28th awesome. and 29th, a mere six months from now. Wow. <laughs> you have to write this down. Yeah. We're, 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 you I'll, heard I'll, it here first, first folks. Yeah. I'll be at the D.C. Comedy Loft, the uh, Loft, which is in D.C. proper. So. Uh, yeah, it, it, the info is on my website, the ticket link. I just got the ticket link. Not that it, I don't expect too many people to be buying tickets six months in advance, but <laughs> mark your calendars. So, yeah, if you want to, if you're taking a weekend away in June, just don't make it that weekend. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. all I well, Come to D.C. and see a museum and see the show. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, the special, which, I, like I said, this year I released uh, one special on YouTube, which is available. It's the home video on my YouTube or on my website called Tall Boy. Yes. Um, that is, uh, that's, that's free and gives you a great sample of some of my recent work. And then uh, the new album that came out in August is called Half Blackface, which is, I think, 
probably the greatest set of my entire life, and you can stream or buy that on any you know music platforms. But the special itself, the video special, is about 25 minutes different because there were a series of video issues when I recorded uh, the first one. So six months later, we recorded again, and there was obviously you know new, some new material, yeah. probably a third. Much of it. like our audio issues with today's. Yeah, podcast. maybe it is the exactly. JL. Curse. Well, that's what I do. That's, I'm like nothing from the never-ending story. It's part of your brand. Yeah. <laughs> so the special comes out January 2nd. So for at least 48 hours, I think I will have the best special of 2024. There you go. And But it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. And it, uh, like the, you can, links will be up soon to, to where you can get and get it on my website. But everything for me, social media links, links to my YouTube channels, my album links, my bio, calendar, everything is at jlcomedy.com. Wonderful. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. The special is just, it's, it's, it's really great. Um, and, we can't uh, wait till it know, comes out. Yeah. And as a treat, it, watch Tallboy for free now. And, you know, and you can stream the appetite. album. Yes. Right. right. You can stream the album version, but like, it's not a redundancy. There's, like I said, of 70 minutes, about 25 minutes is, Totally new from All the new time. Material. Tied you over until, until June. When you well, come when here. you when you come back in June, we'd love to have you in studio. I think we can make that happen. I think yeah. we can. Yeah. That I'll way, we will people. not have audio. Issues. Or maybe we will. We'll see. Maybe it just yeah. follows you. Like, like, <laughs> we'll make some up. Yeah, exactly. I was in the elevator and the cable snapped. Yeah, right. now exactly. I am can you in the ICU? We'll dial you in via cell phone. It's yeah. fine. It's, it's, it's practically yeah. what we had to do today. Exactly. So well, I just want to ask if I could ask please, one last question please. if I could. And I was hoping I could ask a, a former President Trump this question, if that's okay. And I just wanted to ask, um, you know, wh- wh- what do you think of JL, uh, JL's impersonation of you? <laughs> oh. You know, there's a, re- there's, a, there's a reason why uh, JL Calvin, how's he pronounced? Calvin. French name. You know he's weak. You know he's weak when he, the guy's American, but he's got a French name. It's like go to Canada, go to France, go to one of these places. Yeah, that's true, and, and it, it makes sense. It's like oh, okay, that's why he's a weak comedian because he has a a real weak French name, okay? And he's he's tall like a baguette, and it's like you know what? get out of here, put your beret on, go back to France. A six foot seven. And then I found out he's actually half Haitian, which you know what I think of that country. So oh, yeah. it only lowered my opinion of this guy. So what I would say is. He should quit comedy, okay? Because if you can't find something funny under Sleepy Joe, he's found nothing funny. You notice he's got nothing for Sleepy Joe. Mm-hmm. Not a thing. And because he's in the bag for Sleepy Joe, he's like, no, I like my president to have a coma and walk around destroying the world. Very nice, very strong. <laughs> so this is a guy whose comedy is failing. He's weak because of his French name. And I think he has no business in comedy. I think there's plenty of people doing good comedy out there. Jim Brewer. Okay, very strong comic. Uh, you know, this is a talented guy, Jim Brewer. It's like watching a 10-year-old on meth run around the stage screaming about vaccinations. That's funny. We call that good comedy. Okay, that's why we're trying to get him an exclusive deal with a Truth Social special. But J.L. Coven, whatever his name is, will never have a Truth Social special. We don't even want him on the site. We're not even letting him join. So I think he should quit comedy. I think he should find something else to do. Like, he's a tall guy, though. I'll, I'll admit that. I can admit that. He's a tall guy. I think what he should do is change people's light bulbs. I think that's where his talent should be. So that's all I have to say about him. And uh, he's a real... It's, it's just sad. It's sad that he's still doing comedy. Well, sir, thank, thank you for thank you for coming into the podcast. We really appreciate that. Yeah, that was... That, I mean, it... It's frightening how quickly he switches into that voice. It is. It's almost like he's he's actually some kind of supernatural channeling <laughs> the spirit or something. For those of us who don't possess those skills, it's yeah, it's kind right. of amazing. Um, well, man, we can't thank you enough. And, and like I said, when you come back in June, we'd love to have you in studio. We will make that happen. I'll be in touch. And, you know, if we don't speak, um, have a great holiday. Have, have a great New Year. And, and again, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being thank on Thank you show. so much. Oh, thank you. You too, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jay. We'll talk to you soon. All right. So here we are. And what have we learned? What have we learned? Um, we learned that J.L. Coven's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy. And also very insightful about comedy, yeah. life, technical issues. And, you know, essentially sort of capturing the the the, the, off, the zeitgeist of, of political humor, right? 
Yeah, we, and it's, it, 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 it is a challenge. I mean, because you're in this environment where I think, look at some of the politicians. Think about like George Santos. So, I mean, George Santos, God rest his political career. <laughs> you know, he, he got Making more out. money in one right. week on, on, on cameo, cameo than, than he, he did had in, Congress. in a year in Congress. And so there's this perverse incentive for, for politicians to, to act like comedians or to act like these right. personalities. And so for those who shine a light on that through comedy, it's, it's, it's challenging. And he does it. He manages to actually, you know, kind of create something that is even bigger or, or, or better. It's not right. just a... And it doesn't matter what his political perspective is. I said this at one point. What 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 matters is, is the satire, our ability to yeah. make fun of ourselves through those observations. Right. And and to try to bring it, attempt to bring it full circle or partial half half circle, semi-circle, you know, you know, part of what we do, of course, is look, we all depend upon the, this sort of freedom, the ability, whether it's lobbying, whether it's crit criticizing, satirizing, it's all part of the way that a functioning democracy, you know, should work. And that's right. And, th and this holiday season, this time of giving, we should be thankful. I guess that's Thanksgiving, actually. Never mind. But, but we should be thankful that, you know, we have the ability to, 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 to do what we do, to shoot our mouths off, whether we're quasi-spiritual. Attempt to be serious like us, or well, where we're or where not. we're sitting, right? And I think I talked about this in our very first episode. We're coming to you from the Willard uh, Hotel office complex, where Ulysses S. Grant used to sit in the lobby, and you know, essentially talk to and, and meet with petitioners for relief from from government regulation and legislation. Yeah, and that's why he sit in the lobby of the Willard. That's why we call it lobbying. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting what two blocks from the White House, and where and we have the ability to make fun of the president if we want to. That's right. I don't think you can sit two blocks from the Kremlin and and make fun of Vladimir you Putin. You can. I mean, you could once, I guess. One time. Yeah, one time. It's and like, then yeah, it's like well, skydiving. You can skydive without his parachute just once. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. Here's a bag of uh, silverware. Right. Exactly. And Good please luck. feel free to jump um, out of our. So yeah. So despite everything, that's still something that's worth you know treasuring and being and, and caring about that's right that's what freedom of speech is and so thank you dear listener for for going on this journey with us thank you for your listenership to date this is our eighth episode yep. um and we will come back to you uh sometime in january with another fun-filled episode of political shadings and wishing you a very happy holiday season, wishing you a very happy new year. I am your host, John Lawyer. I'm your co-host, Andrew Goldberg. And we are Political Shadings. Thanks again, and we will talk to you very soon. Have a great one.